What if these things can read our minds? This is a safe sex zone. Simple, beautiful fish. Good night, campers. Turn on, tune in, talk movies. Welcome to the Video Cult. It's UFOs, it's chemical spills, it's honestly surprising it's none of the above. Welcome to the Video Cult. There was no one driving. No one. There had to be somebody driving with their head down. Trucks don't drive by themselves. All right, welcome to the next episode, or perhaps your first episode, depending on which ones uh, struck your fancy. I'm Josh Carmody, and, and as always, I'm joined by Nathan Stone. We're talking about our first Canadian movie, yeah. Canadian slash American production. It's a doozy. <laughs> the second adaptation of Stephen King's short story, Trucks. Trucks from 1997, made for the USA Network. So also our first TV movie, probably <laughs> one of very few. There's not going to be many TV movies that I think will breach uh, too much into the our main episodes uh, I do believe that we will be uh, debuting a segment later on where we will talk more it, some TV stuff. But this one really, I felt, hit the levels of violence and absurdity that I, I felt were necessary for us to to give it the full the full uh, treatment. Yeah, trust trust me, as someone who has only seen this movie now twice for this podcast, it is definitely worth it. Right. This was worth a full episode. As you will see, we have a lot of thoughts <laughs> for this episode. So yeah, so Canadian American production. It was filmed in in and around what was it, Gunton, Gunton, uh, and Winnipeg, Manitoba. Yeah. Though I suspect all of the Winnipeg stuff was only the times where we see things on TV, and it appears to be taking place in a city, like Dawn of the Dead style, kind of like exposition <laughs> things that pop in. The rest of it must be Gunton. My girlfriend's from Winnipeg, so as soon as she found out it was Winnipeg, I had to go through the entire movie listening to her go. Uh, you know, I don't know if I recognize this place. Like, just like, like, oh, you know, I think I was on that highway before. I'm like, it all looks the same. You're crazy. But if there's one thing someone from Winnipeg's going to do is remind you they're from fucking Winnipeg. <laughs> <laughs> and another uh, very blatant Winnipeg connection that was seen immediately that, again, my girlfriend pointed out was she saw the name Rick Skeen in there. And the Skeens are a family of uh, stunt men and women. They just trained their I forget who the the patriarch of the family is. I wasn't able to really find it, but Rick Skeen, I think, is one of the sons. And so there, you'll see their names across a lot of Canadian productions uh, with like big stunts, action movies, and things like that. So the, they would have done a lot of the stunts in this, which I assume means they got to sit in what looks like a chair because that's usually how they make cars drive without a person in them. Is they make the chair into a costume and mm-hmm. you just sort of sit back inside of the chair with little eye holes and, and drive around. So I'm sure that was fun. But yeah, let's get into the let's get into yeah. the plot. And, and I love the fact that this is firstly a Canadian film because you got to be proud of of those <laughs> those great Canadian uh, productions. But the fact that someone thought, what is a great stand-in for Nevada? And and someone else said, what if what if Winnipeg? What if Winnipeg? And it was. <laughs> Hilarious, because when you watch this movie, and I do hope you have watched this movie, you're listening to it, or you watch this movie right after, there are lush farm fields, trees as far as the eye can see. This is supposed to be the closest you can get to Area 51, Lunar Nevada, but I just love the fact that someone, yeah, sure, Winnipeg. Yep, yeah, <laughs> that'll do. It'll do. 
No one's no one's actually been to Nevada, right? No one could get. <laughs> no one actually knows what that looks like. Uh, so yeah, hit us hit us with some plot. Well, it doesn't waste its time. It does that's not. for damn sure. It gets started right away, and obviously there's going to be a lot of comparisons to Maximum Overdrive. It's impossible not to compare it to Maximum Overdrive, but Maximum Overdrive also doesn't waste its own time, and this movie doesn't either. It immediately gets going on on killing uh, an old man, some hermit farmer mm-hmm. type guy. It kind of has a junkyard esque kind of situation. Yeah, it, I love the sad violins that play us in <laughs> while this is happening. Yeah. The score of this movie feels like it's so serious. And then you mm. watch the things happening on screen and you're like, I, I can't make sense of this because the score wants me to take this very seriously. And yet I'm watching four murderous trucks drive around in yeah. circles. It, it falls into the, that, that problem category that the nineties had of the nineties was either uh, with horror. It's either self self referential or self serious. And there's no in between <laughs> a lot of the time. So something like this, yeah, it it almost loses the opportunity to be silly, despite doing some remarkably silly things within. But then also right away, we have the trucks are able to manipulate different parts of themselves Mm -hmm. that have no mechanical operation, such as mirrors. The light, the headlight is like hanging out. It like sucks it back up. Where the fuck are their eyes? Because they use the mirrors and angle the mirrors around as if they're trying to see around things. So Mm -hmm. I don't know if their eyes are the windshield or the headlights. It's never clear. (laughs) No, and that comes up later in the movie when a truck gets a headlight shot out and immediately, like, goes into a ditch and dies. (laughs) And this is... The whole time that I was watching this movie, I, I couldn't get out of my head Disney's cars. Because in my head, this was the prequel. And I'm trying to think of how these sentient cars... Yeah, where where is your brain? How do you think? What are you seeing when you're a truck? And a spoiler alert, alert, folks. This movie raises so many interesting questions. It provides none of the answers. So (laughs) Much like the short story. Yes. Uh, The short story ends pretty abruptly. If you've seen Maximum Overdrive, it ends at the point when they're like refueling the trucks, which it sort of happens in this one, but not quite to the extent that it does in both that movie and in the short story. And that's where the short story just ends. Mm-hmm. It sort of drops off where they're like, oh, God, we'll become enslaved to trucks. There's certainly no way we as humans could outsmart <laughs> trucks. <laughs> Stupid. I don't know. So it's like Stephen King has written a lot of great stuff, but much like. Kurt Cobain, sometimes they were just on drugs. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Well, with anyone as prolific as Stephen King, you know, they're not all going to be home runs. Yeah. And oh, and just back to the music uh, that you said, it, you were saying that it sounds serious. It actually sounds like an early version of the Arachnophobia score. It sounds like oh. what the Arachnophobia score would eventually become. If you watch that movie, it's kind of got that that small town whimsy. Yeah. They're like, hey, dude, oh, like almost Twin Peaks, but cheerful, like kind of sound going on to it. And, all, and I don't know where you watched it. I had to watch it on Tubi. I also had to watch it on okay, Tubi. Okay, was yeah. it in 4x3 and widescreen? It sure was. <laughs> yeah. I realized like halfway through I could change my TV to like a Zoom setting so that I still have black bars on top and I, I got rid of all the stuff on the side and, and it didn't stretch it out. But yeah, initially I was watching it as if it was a smaller TV than I actually have. But I can appreciate when things are still in the proper aspect ratio. So that guy gets run through. Yep. The truck smashes right through his shack. There's blood on the front of the truck. Yeah. Uh, he leaves. And I think we go right to the diner after that, do we not? 
Yeah, so the the truck goes and parks itself sort of sticking into like this highway and then we get we get Hope uh who is our our one of our main protagonists. She is uh nailing up a sign for her new lunar expedition shop and like trail excursion business. And uh this is where we learn that yeah, they're in Nevada. Lunar is a town near Area 51. And we also get to meet Logan and Ray who Logan is Ray's son. They are yeah. uh, Ray, they are running the Ray gas station. played by Timothy Busfield, yes. Hollywood's stepdad, <laughs> who the, the, in their infinite wisdom decided to put in the male leading role in this movie. And it's just, it doesn't, he never fits. No. He never quite fits. Like, I, I'm try, I can't really think of other roles he's played in other movies. I could pull it up in front of me, but it's, it's always like another kid's dad or a stepdad or something like that. He's never a leading man. And- being the leading man in this, we'll get into it more later, but his approach to interacting with everybody in this is he's so aggressive and so abrupt and trying to keep people inside and not go outside. It's more like he's a serial killer and he's imagining the trucks killing people, yeah. but it's him. <laughs> it's all him. I This movie would be more, it'd be more believable if he was a serial killer who identified with the trucks. Yeah, <laughs> he, he doesn't quite have that natural kind of leadership or charisma that you expect from a leading man. I I don't think he does a bad job in most aspects of the character, but there are some points where, yeah, he's being very assertive or he's, you know, he's yelling at people and you're just like, yeah, whatever, dad. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And God, the movie has enough of that going on. But yeah, whatever, dad. Um, So we have that. I think we then meet. uh, Well, I also, I did make a comment about them smoking right into their food. Oh uh, because yeah, the, the guy, the old guy who runs the diner, like serves them up the food, and then the the truckers who are there forever, <laughs> just like exhaling directly into oh, their own yeah. plate of food. I was like, oh god, we're still in yeah. this era. This is the era when you'd go to a Tim Hortons, and they were like, no, there's smoking and non-smoking, but like there isn't windows on every yes. section of the smoking section. It's just a corner of the room. Yeah, I remember that, and eventually we got to the smoking glassed off room oh yeah yeah and that was the, kind of the, the late 90s yeah the <laughs> aquarium there and yeah that was a that was a different time but they uh, this ray runs the gas station as well as this kind of greasy spoon type of diner that yeah. they're that they're in and cabins there's and like cabins, hotel yeah. cabins that are there because uh the, the hope who we already talked about she sort of is bringing tourists there it's where we get the rest of our cast is bringing mm-hmm. these tourists here to these cabins and she's like they're they're hooked up with a shower and i said like she said that before I saw the cabin. And once you see it, it's like fucking press board. It does not look like <laughs> yeah. you should ever hook up any plumbing to this thing. Like there's just a bucket that's already got soapy water in it, like in the attic. That's just going to come down on you. <laughs> uh, yeah. And and man, so I when we meet the truckers, we meet George as the uh, the old man who who runs the the restaurant for Ray and. It was the saddest looking meals I have ever seen in my life. Oh, yeah. Just unseasoned scrambled eggs and a lot of scrambled eggs, too. Here's like a slice of bacon and then a bunch of unseasoned scrambled eggs. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, unfortunate. I had to look up the truckers names and they actually are listed in the cast as Trucker Bob and Trucker Pete. Oh, Trucker Pete is Rick Skeen. So there you go. Oh, there we go. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the truckers are, are interesting characters. And yeah, they kind of hang around for hours and hours in this little diner. 
or at least it feels like, and and for no particular reason. Well, yeah, that's what I was saying. Is like they were already there, like sitting there smoking, mm-hmm. and they get their food and then don't leave immediately after that. You figure yeah. they would go and be the ones to like, because there's a, a a number of like. Whoa, the truck seems to be got a mind of its yeah. own. Like swerving scenes that happen like uh, coming up next. We do immediately get into that. The married couple that yes. uh, come rolling through. Oh, I, so the Jaegers uh, yes, are the, the married Jaegers. couple. And I, I, all I wrote was divorce. <laughs> so that first scene with them, because the, the first scene paints that very picture of kind of the, the trying but like bedraggled husband just trying to have a good time. And like the ultra bitch wife, mm. but they're not really played like that through like as it goes on, right? Uh, up, up until like the the trucks start doing truck stuff, right? They they get more and more kind of you you see their relationship. I'm just not sure why this opening scene, right? She's just complaining like crazy, and and you know she's she's being super snooty, super bitchy to to her husband, and and you know to the uh, I think Logan or, or Ray or whoever. Yeah, because they get there and that's where she's yeah. asking where the Lunar Tours people are and she's already left. And uh, yeah, they, she has to go. That's when we first get a look at the cabin where I was like, there is no plumbing. There's that. no, plumbing. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no chance. Up. But yeah, they're like, I, he must just have a humiliation fetish. Like, because there's yeah. something about, yeah, they're back and forth that's set up that this is what they, this is how they want to be mm-hmm. interacting with each other is that he picks shitty vacations and she <laughs> complains yeah. about it the whole time. Yeah. Then we get uh, Hope, who is picking up the rest of this this lunar expedition crew. She's dro- driven to a nearby town, I think. You get a uh, a weird kind of racist trucker who hits on her. Oh yeah, uh, but we'll, we'll yeah, see he's, more he's of out, him. Like trolling for lot lizards. Yeah, kind of takes it out on her. What's the name of the other town? Because there's lunar and the town she went to. Oh, it started with a B. Uh, Busfield or something. I like think it that. was Busfield. Yeah. yeah. Oh wait, no, it's Timothy Busfield. That's why I'm thinking. Oh, that. okay. No, so it's not. It's not <laughs> that. But I don't think it really matters. No, but I just no. Was it's like yeah, that other town that they went to. So yeah, she goes and picks up Thad. That <laughs> is such a fantastic name. Thad and Abby. And, and you are, know what? For for a weird name, you look at the guy and you're like, yeah, he's a Thad. That's a Thad. That's a Thad yeah, to me. Yeah. 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 Thaddeus. Yeah. Thad- Thad Timmy. Their last name is Timmy for some reason. Thad <laughs> Timmy. Thad Timmy. Real, more real human names that we're seeing in these movies. Yeah. It's like Ferdy uh, in, uh, yeah. in Chopping Mall. So, yeah, it's that. And then is it is Jack the other one? Is Jack the hippie? Jack is our hippie. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so Abby's we, the... We pick up, yeah, the father-daughter hippie. and and then this guy, hippie. Quote, unquote, hippie. My name's Jack. Glad to know you. First time in this part of the cosmos. I mean it no harm. This dude has like a horseshoe that he grew out a little enough that they could tie up into a ponytail. But I guarantee you that man like has never done drugs. That that guy was never a hippie. Like he for sure voted conservative his whole life. Oh, (laughs) I didn't believe for a second he was an aging hippie. Very much so. Everyone hates this vacation is is also the thing that I got because we have the married couple complaining about it. The daughter of, Mm -hmm. of Thad is complaining about it. I think they talk about it right here because Thad admits that he works at worked at Area 51. And I do kind of sympathize with her then if they're taking such a shitty vacation that they're supposed to be not far from Area 51 where he used to work. And he's like, I'll take you on a vacation. It's like it's like they're going on a vacation to Tantalon. Like, yeah, just, seriously. Like, Let's go 25 minutes up the road and then we'll have someone else drive us another hour away. That's good enough. And Abby, we find out, has been living in Vegas. Mm. 
So this is, yeah, the perfect kind of non-vacation that Thad is taking her on. He's basically taking her away from anything interesting near where she lives to go see a place near his work, to go hike on trails where the main selling point is seeing aliens, which neither of the two of them are interested in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he vehemently defends Area 51 as not being a place that has aliens. And so he spent good money taking his daughter on a hiking trip to see fucking aliens. Yeah. He, he's not really dad of the year material, Thad, no. but it, it really did strike me as funny. Jack, at least, and Jack quickly becomes my favorite character because Jack has some lines oh, throughout the movie. Oh, he just says movie. wild shit. He says the wildest shit you can imagine, but he at least seems like he is down for this. And I, I respected that because I felt so bad for Hope. I was like, this is her first guests for this business that she has started. And yeah, one of the five of them is excited to be there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Jack also says, I'm pretty sure it's him who says menditate instead of meditate. <laughs> yes. He says menditate. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I just remembered a, a brief scene, another beginnings of truck rebellion that we missed was the, the guy who tried to pick up Hope or I say pick up, the guy who sexually harassed her. Oh, yes. Uh, he's driving the frozen food truck, and the truck starts swerving. And so he, for whatever reason, the truck starts swerving, and he's like, better check the back. Yeah. <laughs> better check the box. So he goes into the frozen, like, food box, and then it seals him in, never to be heard from again, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, we see him in a couple of more quick scenes and then he is never, yeah, we never get to see the big frozen body reveal or anything like yeah. that. We just assume that he has been frozen to death like a long time ago into this movie. But uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a fun one. And that kind of sets up our, our main antagonist truck because we, we get several of them. And there we get a kind of a core four of of trucks that kind of bedevil our protagonist. Yeah, which but I started this, referring to this. It may be referred to this movie as the Transformers Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> just because of the way it was. It's very rednecky. Yeah. But this is the biggest truck is this refrigerator. It's a big rig. And uh, it's the it will become, as we see, the the leader of the trucks. Yeah. Broke down second. Whoa. Swerve scene. So I think that's when Buddy crashes uh, his truck into the. The, the Transformers thing and, and explodes and causes the big fire. Oh, yeah. So that'll be, yeah, that's that's coming on quick. I, I just have the, uh, the note, the mirrors moving on the trucks is adorable because we get that several times through oh, here yes. of, them, of them just sneaking a <laughs> peek at people. Yeah. Um, but we do get, we get some exposition while they're, while Abby is driving them back in her, her Lunar Express van. That Lunar is built on a, a crater, or sorry, Hope is driving the back. That was the scene where I learned that I hate Abby. She's very whiny throughout this movie, and whiny characters really irk me. We also get another scene with that, that's kind of right after them when they start driving oh, of yeah. in the restaurant. Ray comes into the restaurant and he says, George Coffee. But he makes a hand gesture as if he's like double fisting cups. He kind of turns <laughs> at the camera and he does this weird like. I don't know what it was about, but I I, I want to use it anytime I need to drink something now. It's just it's just me double fisting. The whiteboard at the back. He's got a whiteboard at the back of the restaurant that has like specials and things on it. I guess that they they clean. One of the things is warp chicken. Yes, I, I don't know what that. that was about, but I I, I kind of want some. My assumption is that. It's similar to like things in uh, Roswell, New Mexico. They have like alien themed mm. diners. Now, this place has 
made no other effort to do that. So it is no. strange that the one thing they have is <laughs> yeah. like, oh, well, you can get the warp, warp chicken, chicken yeah. or the eggs Benedict. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We get a little bit more exposition about the fact that Logan's mom and Ray's wife has died. Logan, who is played by he uh, he's been in a lot of stuff then and since. Most recently, he was in The Last of Us. Oh, was he, he was Robert, the guy who who screwed them over. He has a bigger role in the game, but he's like in the first episode. Oh, okay, and he gets blown up <laughs> very promptly. But yeah, he was Robert in the first episode of The Last of Us. Another Canadian actor. Okay, nice, nice. Uh, so we we get the kind of this scene intercut with the van scene, which is all mostly exposition. Uh, we get a really funny line from Thad to Jack, where he says peace and brown rice generation which i actually had to look up and peace love and brown rice had something to do with a australian concert series in the 90s i think called the big day out and this was like music concerts that they used to do annually and i guess it must have been a place where like kind of modern day 90s hippies like to to congregate mm-hmm. because i I heard that and I was like, this is not a phrase that I have ever heard in my no. entire life before. So that was one of the things I had to deep dive. But so we get that and then we get we go back to the restaurant where Logan or the, the garage, I guess, and where they're doing work. Logan's got his motorcycle that he uncovers. Mm-hmm. And this is something you might have come across, too, because I, I know you like the, to deep the, dive the, these. The deleted, the deleted, the deleted scenes scene, yeah. that, that people did not go for. <laughs> Take yeah. Right. So he apparently fell in love with the motorcycle when it became sentient and the test audiences didn't like this and they <laughs> cut it out and God damn them for doing that. Yeah. That's not even the I'm craziest furious. thing that happens in the movie. <laughs> no, not even by a long shot, but I want to see it. Oh, I want to yeah. see it Just so bad. Just sitting on a cutting room floor somewhere. Yeah. Like, who knows if that footage even exists anymore. But yeah, the fact that he fell in love with the motorcycle. Yeah. Um, it, it, honestly, it makes the ending make more sense, which we'll get to, mm-hmm. um, I find. Yes. We keep jumping scenes between mm-hmm. like the gas station and the truck. So I just said, or the van. And uh, yeah, so my note here was just like, holy shit, we're back in the van again. Because this is the third time they've cut back to the van and nothing was happening. Yeah. However, we do get the first of Jack's real quality lines here. Because he's just spouting some grade A bullshit throughout this entire movie. But yeah. there's always a lot of psychic energies in places of great emptiness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, like, my okay. God. Sure. And it, yeah. And there is a lot of that. Like. Yeah. Just stuff that sounds like it's means something, but really means absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, the, and then the truck is in the middle of the road and they stop to get it off the road. Then the frozen truck tries to hit them. Our original killer truck that it was in the first scene has moved about six inches more into the road. And they, uh, hope remarks on this cause she's, she drove by it on the way out and so they stop to kind of push it back to the uh, to the curb, and then we get our our big uh, our big swerve, our second yeah big swerve scene with our main killer truck, the the refrigerator truck that's mm-hmm. been barreling down the road, yeah. coming at them. And this is where Jack is the only one who notices that no one's driving it. Yes, and of course, like immediately jumps to the conclusion that the truck was driving itself. <laughs> and I love I love that shit in like horror movies, especially like horror movies. I find when they're not very long, they tend to have people make very crazy leaps in logic in order to push the plot forward. 
Because Thad immediately like shuts it down. He's like, he was ducking down. And it's yeah. like, everyone should have agreed with that. Yes, like, very clearly. He clearly was trying to hit us. Guy was ducking out of the way. Nope, the truck was driving on its own. And they like stick with it. He's right, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> but it's crazy to just go with that. So this was the first scene in the movie that raised a question to me about these sentient trucks in terms of what is their game plan? Because they seem to be kind of later in the movie, like they're, they're kind of taking over the show, but there's so much truck on truck violence in this movie. And I thought that they'd be also kind of like same suicide. Yeah. They're willing to kill themselves to kill th- humans, to, to kill one human. Yeah. They're willing to go down one for one. Yeah. <laughs> Which doesn't make no sense. No, I, I feel like there are more humans in the world than trucks. I haven't done the math on that, but I don't think it's going to work for them. But yeah, it, it destroys the, the first truck and uh, smashes Hope's van to, to smithereens. We get a lot of fun kind of big truck POVs in this uh, in this movie as well. And this is this is one of them where they've, they've got the camera kind of in the driver's seat and uh, you, you get to see the, you know, the, the steering wheel kind of move by itself and, and some of the other fun little bits that they've done here. Still not sure why the horn blows smoke on the refrigerator truck. No, There's and it consistently does. Horn, like, throughout the whole thing. I have the same question about why the trucks start growling, but it's a thing that they do, and it's very like animalistic at certain points. But yeah, so so the big truck is kind of satisfied just scaring them, it seems, because it destroys their vehicle, destroys the other truck, but then it just kind of fucks off. It yeah. doesn't. It doesn't stay to finish the job or, or turn around. It's just, it's got other places to be. Yeah. And, and, then, she, <laughs> and then I think it's Hope who pulls out the biggest cell phone. Yeah. Which was outdated in 1997. Yes. Cell phones were smaller then. Like, if you watch episodes of The X-Files, which started way before that, Mulder's got a much smaller cell phone. Like, smaller than most people's, yeah. like, portable phones in their house were at the time. My only thoughts on that are maybe because they're out in the country. That's fair, yeah. That maybe maybe she needs the bigger phone for better reception. <laughs> but it is it is a monstrously sized. Like, <laughs> yeah. she could fight a truck oh. with this phone. And, and also, we never see two cell phones at the same time. I guarantee you, Timothy <laughs> Busfield's using the exact same, same phone. phone when they cut over to him on it. Yeah. Because then I think he comes out to get them because they don't find the dead body until he gets there. Yeah, yeah. So Hope calls the, the station. Logan tells Ray. Ray jumps off in the station wagon. Uh, I thought it was really funny. Which is a trash-looking station wagon, too. Usually when I see station wagons in movies, especially with that wood grain, mm-hmm. I'm like, mm, give it to me. I looked at one look at that thing, and I was like... It's hideous. This, the, the only thing this is good for is blowing up in a movie. Yeah. <laughs> I love that, too, because he, he comes around a corner, and he's, he's obviously trying to get the sense that he's driving really fast, right? Because he's yeah. worried about hope and, and everything. And so he's drifting. Yeah. He does his drift <laughs> in his station wagon. And the, the only thing I can think of yeah, dirt as well. The, <laughs> Stupid. Only thing I can think of is the fact that like he's going to tear the axle right off of that thing, <laughs> trying to drift it all. I had a buddy who his mother, this is back in my high school days, his mother had an Oldsmobile, like a vintage mm. 80s Oldsmobile. And he's going with a full load of other, like he's a big guy going with a load of my friends who are all like kind of big guys. And they're, they're hitting this, this kind of corner going into uh, like a shopping district, Dartmouth crossing for, for mm-hmm. anyone in the know. And uh, so it's, it's got kind of like a, like a banked turn, but it's a fairly sharp bank. And he hits this thing going like 90 in an Oldsmobile. <laughs> 
And because he wants to drift. He wants to drift. This is like 2 a.m. So it's not like there's any traffic or anything. And he tore the axle right off the car. <laughs> Unsalvageable. He destroyed that car. It was the funniest <laughs> thing in the world to hear about the next morning. Oh, my because, God. Because, yeah, dr- do not drift in an Oldsmobile. That is the moral mm. of this story. And please don't do it in a 1980s wood grain <laughs> paneled uh, station wagon. Yeah, the only station wagon story I have, I wasn't present for, but it happened when my mom was a kid and her stepdad had a station wagon. And so in the they had and it was full. They had every seat full including some seats that weren't seats because it was the 70s mm. so there was like her stepdad his mom my mom's mom my mom her brothers some cousins and like another aunt so there's like six kids and five adults in this like one station wagon and a and a young guy with his girlfriend in a thunderbird pulled up behind them pulled up beside them they're on the back roads of pei in the late 70s and of course, he can't let that slide because this guy, this kid in the Thunder was trying to pass him. So he's essentially drag racing <laughs> with everyone in the car, the whole family in this station wagon. And they're like telling his, my grandmother's like telling him to slow down. And he's like, no, no, no. <laughs> fucking outruns the Thunderbird. Oh, my God. Now, th- that begs the question, like. Could he have gotten above like 60, 70 with 11 people in a station <laughs> I wagon? I don't know. Because the thing about that I do know about station wagons, they have really big engines mm. because they're supposed to be able to pull a trailer. Okay, they're supposed yeah. to be like an all-in-one family vehicle where you could take it camping and camp out the back yeah. of it or pull a trailer with it. It has like a V8 because people will take them and turn them into, they'll kind of like retrofit them into muscle cars. Nowadays. Okay. It's kind of like a niche thing to do that I've, I've seen, yeah. Oh, the more you learn. Wow. I desperately want to look that up and will do after this show <laughs> yeah. because a muscle car station wagon is somehow <laughs> right up my alley yeah yeah although i mean if you're a thunderbird guy if you get beat by a dude taking his family out in a oh, station yeah. wagon <laughs> like you got to sell that car i'm sorry <laughs> that's it for you you can't yeah. you can't come back from that is there anyone driving no it was driving by itself maniac so, yeah, after tearing ass around in his uh, station wagon there, Ray does uh, eventually get to our friends. Yeah, that, this is the scene where, where Hope has wandered off to check on, I believe it was Rick, who was the, the junkyard yes. slash whatever owner, uh, and she finds him dead. Uh, it looks, I think he was taking a shower when the truck drove yeah, through his... I, I, I felt like there wasn't enough time for, for between him going inside, it felt like he went inside and then the truck smashed yeah. right through his shack. So I, I wrote down, did the truck take his clothes off? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Rick just just goes around in 90s tearaway pants all time oh, at yeah, all yeah. times. So he just you, he just ripped it right off suit. and he was ready yeah. to go. We, we get one of my favorite lines from Hope, who has the flattest, most deadpan delivery of every single line in the entire movie when she says, cause they're like, are you okay? And she goes, no, I'm scared to death. And that's how she says everything. And I yes. don't know if it's supposed to be funny or not because everything she says sounds like that. She never has any pitch differential or anything. No, She's her range is like remarkably <laughs> like monotone throughout yeah. the, the movie. There's also a great Jack line that is uh, at, right after this is before they find the body, but uh, after the big truck smashes through them where Jack is is saying that no one was in the or no one in the cab. And dad's like, don't be ridiculous. And Jack says, stranger things have happened around here. Really, Jack? Really stranger things? 
I need a, gonna need a citation for that body. Like stranger things have happened around here than a semi truck driving itself. I don't know about that one. Um, he does believe some weird shit. Yeah. We we get them on the road uh, because they they decide they they can't do anything for Rick. They're gonna go back into town and I think call the sheriff from town is mm-hmm. is their plan. Then we get our our second of our our four murder trucks that will kind of uh, uh, stay with us through most of this film. And this is the orange truck. And this one kind of comes out of nowhere. We don't get an intro for this truck. This one's just driving itself. We didn't Mm -hmm. get to see how its driver died or maybe it just, you know, maybe it was just parked somewhere around and and thought, hey, uh, I'm going to mess with these guys. But yeah, it it comes up from behind uh, Ray uh, where they're all driving and starts tailgating them and then starts kind of ramming the back of their their truck a little bit it, we're kind of all around this because yeah i'm trying to it, it, it's like the first half hour of this movie it, like you said it's so much jumping around and very yeah. short scenes to kind of try and like yeah keep it like almost like it, uh, a fast pace to it but like not that much happens no and so yeah they do get tailgated by that somewhere in there somewhere there in was that another, getting home another yeah. truck as i said did, did yes. crash into like the transformers so they lose power the yeah. diner is uh, the diner has generators so they're okay but it, it's still spotty after the orange truck kind of bullies them and they get back to the diner. That's where we get the first of exposition TV where the TV oh will God, be like, buzzed, so good. and then it will like George reaches up and appears to be turning something. He's There's not no turning knob. anything. There is There's no knob on that television. He's just moving his hand as yeah. if he's turning a dial. And then it'll come in on like a news anchor just starting a report it's always right at the beginning of something it's never in the middle it's never like the end and they're like what did they say no it's always right at the beginning so that uh thing that got crashed into i think there was chemicals on there was a chemical truck the chemical truck yeah it was a military chemical truck and this was this was another one of the driver is in the truck truck just takes over and decides to crash into this transformer (laughs) this transformer by the way that is miles from anything else in the whole world yeah <laughs> like it is it is probably a like a 10 by 10 fenced off like little chain link thing with a transformer in the middle of like wheat fields yeah. and this highway <laughs> uh the, those great nevada wheat fields and yeah and then it goes up like crazy you get these this huge superimposed black smoke which i absolutely loved oh yeah classic tv movie special yeah. effects level black smoke it was pretty great and everyone's able to see it. So, yes. like, it, it's within a, a range that everyone can see it, including uh, on the news thing, because on the news, they're talking about how there's this chemical spill. They're telling everyone to stay inside because because yeah, uh, that's what because people already start, like, losing it. Because yes. he's like, it's like, stay inside and we'll let you know when to come out. They're like, how will they let us know? Or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like, start freaking out. Um, but I did the friggin' cop that she turns to. The way he's t- that guy like ran to set. He yes. must have been late because he's just like, okay, and uh, just you know, just stay, stay inside. inside. <laughs> uh, we will keep you informed, and uh, and just hang on. Like, just, just completely out of breath. I was laughing the whole time. Yeah, that was fantastic. I don't know if maybe his directions were sound nervous or sound like there's you know more going on, and, and you're mm. you know you're it's it's showing, but he does seem like he just got done his 10k fun run yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> you know and this transformer blew up and now he's here so 
after that, I don't remember too much else happening with the people at the diner. There, yeah. So other we, than like, um, we get a little bit with the Jaggers in the diner. Uh, oh, because they cause sneak it, off. They sneak off to go fuck. Yeah, yeah. So at first they're they're having some of George's awful, awful cooking, and which they ate all of, which and they then did. go have sex. Yeah. I don't know. Ooh, I don't know if I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> Big <laughs> country breakfast, yeah. and then yeah. yeah, which she was complaining she, about of eating course, yeah. right before that. Still ate the whole fucking plate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we get to see them a little bit more playful, so they're they're a little bit more less insufferable, kind of in in these scenes than they are in in that opening scene. But yeah, they they go back to their cabin to to kind of get it on. So and then yeah, the phones are down. That's when our big truck comes to town, mm-hmm. and I love the fact that the Jaegers are walking to their little cardboard cabin. Oh, and the, the truck, like, it's just like, it's maybe a foot from them. Uh, yeah. Do not acknowledge this truck at all as it careens past them. <laughs> yeah. They're just like, yeah. it's another example of which we've been experiencing yes. through each movie of shit getting really close to people without making any sound. Any sound. Although it's making a shitload of yeah, sound. They're but just yeah, they completely it. ignore the fact that the wind from that would have been like, yeah. holy fuck. Yeah. <laughs> we get them getting frisky. The truck itself is very excited. It just it keeps driving around honking as it is it sort of joy what rides itself yeah. through this little like gas station cabin like I don't even know what to describe this as like it it seems like a town if a town consisted of about four buildings. Yeah. So, so like the town in Tremors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but smaller. So eventually we do get the gang that rocks up and they're they're kind of tailed by the the orange truck. And they all like, they're all like, oh, get out of the car. And for some reason, everybody runs to the diner except for the two kids, for for Logan and Abby, when they they emergency evacuate station wagon. They run twice as far to the cabins, I believe, or the garage. They run to the garage. They run to the garage. Yeah. Yes, that's right. But is this also, I can't remember if it's this time or later where I think it's Timothy Busfield is running so quickly towards the door. He basically like trips at the stairs and flings himself (laughs) through the door. He's like so desperate to get inside. So yeah, so we, they're split up. Um, They tell them to kind of stay put uh, with like a whiteboard in the window, telling them not to try and run across Mm -hmm. the thing. Mm -hmm. And then we, uh, we also get a couple of guys in a hazmat truck that are on their way. They're like, okay, we got to go to where this chemical spill is. And then we get so we go to a scene over in some other small town of a man delivering mail for one of the best things that's ever happened in a film ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, be- before we get to that, because that, that is one of the most insane parts of this movie, I will say too, we do get a little bit with the uh, with our two truckers that are still at that diner somehow after oh, all of these yeah. things have happened. Uh, Pete and Bob. Pete gets baited because his like their trucks start to come to life, which mm. is where we get the other two trucks from. And and Pete still thinks that there's, you know, there's someone that's stealing his truck, even though clearly now you can see there's there's no one in any of these trucks. Uh, he almost gets run over, but he comes back. And this starts kind of this thing about these truckers obsessing about getting their trucks back. They do have a weird possessiveness, like, Mm -hmm. and and like you said, as if it is somebody stealing it from them, like they're angry at the person who will be driving. But no, they seem to be like having this weird, yeah, possessive feelings towards their truck against the the entity that is controlling them. It's a straight, it's strange. Yeah. Yeah. And just to say on the hazmat team, we get this interesting subplot about the chemical spill. 
that we won't be rewarded for because you don't get rewarded for things no, in this movie. And but because it was a, a very specific chemical that you learn, like they're they're like, uh oh, like they're 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 taking it really seriously when it comes in like what what the chemical is, right? And so you think that like, oh, is this gonna be like is the chemical part of what's what's happening here is is this going to start having health effects on them? Are they going to start? What if this is like crazy hallucinations from these, these, these chemicals that this town's been exposed to? It's none of those things. Yeah, it isn't. Well, but. the fact that the chemical spill happens after and is caused yes. by a truck that's already driving itself negates anything about like, oh, yeah. maybe it's the chemicals that, are, that is doing it to the truck. I thought maybe it was going to be that they couldn't stay at the diner any longer because the chemical cloud yeah, was like was spreading expanding. and it was going to force them out and, and force them to run. And it would be something like that. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> it's so pointless. <laughs> it's like when you have some, it's like, uh, it's like in a, in shittier James Bond movies where you already know the bad guy's plot. So you're just wasting time with scenes of James Bond trying to figure it out. Yes. And it's like, no, it's not this either. It's yeah. kind of that. Yeah. I, I like your delivery there because there's so many questions about this movie that can just be answered with a straight no. Yeah, no. 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, let's let's hit on this because this mailman scene is the weirdest oh, thing man. in the world. So yeah, the mailman is just going around uh, uh, seemingly a town void of life, d- dropping off mail. He seems to be the only person there. And then we get a fucking RC truck that's like that's uh, try that's uh, trying to get out of a toy store where he uh, delivers some mail and it like I think it pushes another truck like it yeah pushes it pushes the, two smaller trucks with like a ramp with on like, it. like ramps because the, like they're the ramp ones that truck. like hold cars yeah, right like those yeah. ramp trucks and so yeah it it shows this incredible higher level thinking that it, it it lines these two of them up and then it breaks out of the small glass pane on the the bottom of the the door which, which they show which when they show the shot of it launching off the ramp they show in slow motion because they don't have enough footage because it's clearly as soon as it hit the glass it bounced it right off yeah, of it, it did not go through that glass i do love that when the the rc truck backs up it beeps yes. the beeping is adorable it is adorable <laughs> and it's very sassy cuz there's it gets out and the the mailman's like, oh, damn, kids, yeah. it must be kids who broke this glass. And then you see the RC truck, like, peek out from around the corner of the building. It's like, beep, beep. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's the best. It gave us a very, uh, like, protectortron uh, moment there with the, yeah. the, pe- the peeking out and being like, oh, I'm going to get you. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get you. So. Uh, and it starts hitting them in the fucking ankles. Yeah. But it's like, I don't remember rc cars from the late 90s really being especially ones that were sold to like a toy store really being that fast or that powerful no you they were ones now like uh traxxas or these other ones where you put these crazy batteries in them and then they can go like 90 miles an hour yeah if that hit you it would fucking probably break your ankles he see this this guy is so incompetent that like a RC truck like bumping into his ankles is enough to like yeah. really take him down for a while. I feel like this mailman might have been made of paper mache because yeah. it's the only reasonable explanation <laughs> down so hard. how this thing, because if this truck weighs more than five pounds and if it was driving at more than 10 miles per hour, I will eat my hat. Neither of those things are plausible with this, but this is the most brutal death scene in the whole movie by a wide margin. Yeah. And I, I got to this point and I just started writing notes furiously. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just going to read them please, out to you here. Please do. All right. Mailman delivers mail. Tiny truck really wants to get him. Capable of using tools? Yes. Is it growling? 
The mailman threatens the toy truck with mace. Seems ineffective. Why is the truck winning? How is this the most brutal death scene in the movie? There is no amount of sharks left for this movie to jump. Tiny truck is better at murder than any other truck. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it, it, like, uses... It, it, the other trucks, similar to in Maximum Overdrive, seem to waste a lot of time not just driving through the building and killing yeah. everybody and just driving around in circles and honking their horn and, and toying with them like mm-hmm. they're psychopaths. This truck, yeah, uses ingenuity and tools to yeah. directly take out somebody and he's already like he's ahead of most of the other trucks he's one he's one to, he's one one zero yeah uh, going forward but he knocks down the mailman the mailman like i said like he falls down and he's just like oh i'm falling and yeah. i can't get up he really <laughs> much, struggles yeah. with getting back up after like getting like he's like one of those ankles. life alert commercials where yeah. you, know, you, <laughs> you push the little yeah. like panic button but then again we get more of the truck backing up and the adorable beeping and the truck curb stops the shit out of him <laughs> multiple times. You get brain matter on this thing. It's yeah, gory. I love what it, because it like shows it from the angle that it like runs into it. And multiple times it drives into him and smashes into his face and smashes his head against the curb. And there's just the like straight shot of blood. Someone's like blowing into a tube and there's a straight shot of blood like shooting out. <laughs> and then after the last like final crunch, and the little RC truck backs up. And yeah, there's Bray Banner yeah. and bits of like face like all over the front of it. <laughs> it's just so fucking crazy. And I was like, how? Um, I didn't know what to do with myself the first time I watched it. I was like, holy fucking shit. And again, the score for this is very serious and very oh, dramatic yeah. the whole time. Right? You, the, the things that you watch you on You almost scene, feel like it should be the baby elephant walk. Like It really like, should be, yeah. Yeah, clearly I think Someone got a different memo, and I think it was the audio guy about what this movie was, but man, I enjoyed that scene because it comes at you, you're probably a third of the way through the film at this point, maybe a little bit further. A little bit further, yeah. And to this point, it's kind of been a like a deadpan, like we're trying to make this kind of scary and tense, even though the, the plot precludes it from being scary or yes. tense. And then this happens and you're just like, I don't know what this movie is anymore. <laughs> yeah, no. I think we go back to the truck stop again. Yeah, we go back to the but truck that, stop. That's where we get more of the trucks sort of congregating outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We get some fantastic dialogue here. Again, from Jack, who is just a machine in this movie. He is just kind of spitting facts or what he thinks are facts about these trucks. What's going on? What are they doing? I, I don't know. They want attention. What? Uh, they're making a statement. And then I think it was Bob just looks at him like he's crazy. And he says, you got a better idea. Uh, no one has a better idea at this point, Jack. Also, I always knew the industrial age would end in chaos. <laughs> Humans don't deserve this planet. And then Bob says, these trucks would use it better. And he just, Jack just calmly takes a sip of his drink. And he's just like, they wouldn't use it any worse. They're like, okay, Jack, sure. Um, are we, are we the, positive about yeah, that? Yeah, in in, at the end of the, the short story, as the guy is like pumping gas and, and like hallucinating and freaking out about what their future will be, he just imagined, he's like, they're gonna, they're gonna pave the West. They're gonna yeah. pave the prairies. It's like all he's thinking of. And it's like, maybe, maybe Stephen King was trying to say something about how much space we give up, we sacrifice in our lives to cars. I, mm. I, often see people sharing those pictures. There's like the artist that has done that where you see how much of our, our world oh, is yeah. dedicated to like 
space for cars and trucks, but also he was on so many drugs. I don't think yeah. he remembers writing that short story. Yeah. <laughs> he definitely doesn't remember making his movie well, about it. <laughs> I remember in the short story, he mentions like the Oki Finoki swamplands, like thinking that the trucks are going to drain it. Cause I think there's oil underneath the, like that protected habitat and stuff. Mm. And I was just like, that's such a, what a pull. To just yeah. be like, yeah, they're going to drain this swamp, like this beautiful swampland in Florida to, you know, of all the things to worry about while you're pumping endless like supplies of gas for these murder trucks. You're just like, but my swamp, <laughs> real Shrek vibe. I got two words for you. Area 51, which is three words. <laughs> oh, <laughs> That's God. Definitely set around there. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, we do get back to, I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to add there, but we do get back to our hazmat guys. Yeah, I, there is one last thing I want to do because this, is, this again, was my favorite part of the movie for dialogue. So Jack does more kind of crazy exposition. Bob, one of the, the truckers, kind of goes on this rant about, yeah, how it's Area 51 and, you know, the, the government experience, experiments and everything. And Thad is just, you know, again, coming to the defense yeah. of, of the, the government in Area 51. I worked there. Like, I flew helicopters yeah. out of there a whole bunch. I had never seen no aliens. Yeah. And, and, and Bob is just like, well, you're just, you're just part of this. There. Yeah. And then Bob says what I think is my favorite quote in the entire movie. I'm telling you, government's taking over the whole country. <laughs> <laughs> um, Bob... <laughs> Yeah, I think they did that in 1776. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so that that one made me laugh out loud, though. I, I thought that was really funny. And then I, I just thought back. I was like, man, I remember when conspiracy theories were fun, right? Because in the 90s, you had a lot of like, you know, aliens were big, right? You had the X-Files. You had movies like Independence Day. There was kind of a big renaissance and in interest in, in aliens and UFOs and stuff. But there was also like, there was kind of the conspiracy theories that were around the time. You got a lot in the Area 51 and government alien cover-ups and alien autopsies and things. And I just thought to myself, man, I really miss when conspiracy conspiracy theories were fun. Like you could just laugh at them and you'd be like, oh, this is fun. Like, yeah. this is kind of cool. Like, tell me about your weird beliefs, right? And now it's just like, oh, conspiracy theories got a lot less fun yeah. in the last 30 <laughs> years. I don't, I don't think I like them anymore. <laughs> so yeah, our hazmat guys. The abbreviation for whatever, whatever organization those hazmat guys work for is TIT. I don't know if you oh, noticed that. It's right that. on their shirt. It's T-I-T. <laughs> so it's tit i don't know what it stands for but we're back with our hazmat guys again when we first saw them one mm -hmm. of the guys they were like we got to go to the spill and one of the guys is like i'm gonna check on the gear in the back yes and when we come back to them now he again, again. says i'm gonna check on the <laughs> yeah. gear in the back but he does that the truck which is now sentient and mm -hmm. is allowing them to continue to drive inflates one of their hazmat suits so it becomes another person grabs an axe yeah. and murders both of them yeah i like it's almost crazier than the rc car the rc car just ha like has like its personality thing yes. going on but the fact that they found a way to have the truck like murder them like with an axe is baffling <laughs> i love that I, I i loved that scene because it was so unexpected because when it starts filling up the hazmat suit, I was like, oh, okay. Like it's doing something with gas, right? Like it's going like to like, burst. There's going to be a yeah. burst. There's going to like, it's going to be some kind of conflagration or something. And then it starts moves and it picks up an ax and just, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. Murders one guy. And then the other guy who like goes around, he like doesn't hear this. No. Goes around to the back of the truck and is because he opens it. And he's like, "You okay? It looks like there's blood on your suit." Did you cut yourself? While or he's something? holding the fucking yeah. axe, he doesn't have any. 
zero self-preservation no. skills, about the same amount of self-preservation skills as the mailman, and just gets <laughs> whacked with that axe like seven times, like just straight yeah. up shows it like his back is getting just like torn up. Yeah. Somehow both of those deaths less gory than the uh, Tonka truck, but yeah. it, it, you know, it's, it is what it is, I guess. I liked this because, and it's something that we've mentioned for our, our first two movies as well, that you like it when you get those creative kills for, for yes. movies like this. And with this one, the fact that they are trucks and therefore capable of only certain movements, I mm. thought this one was a lot of fun for yes. that. Oh, yeah. exactly. I, I, I think that's really the type of stuff that a movie like this should reach for. Mm-hmm. I think we're honestly like due for a remake of something like Maximum Overdrive, like just straight up go as crazy and wild as you want and do like a, a like a modern horror comedy out of it where it's like I'm, I'm trying to think of a good like horror comedy like example where it's like true horror and true comedy, mm-hmm. like slither yeah like you get something that's like truly gross and and, and, and also go, you know shoots for it funny, but yeah. is well written and is funny and i think that something like maximum overdrive would be perfect for that like because the humor in both trucks and maximum overdrive really never lands the things that are funny are the things that are like oh my god i can't believe they thought to do something like this and try to play it straight. Mm-hmm. They're always trying to play it straight. And so it's, it's, you're kind of laughing at it. Yeah. You're not laughing really with it. And Stephen King's sense of humor is weird. He's like, <laughs> got that like Sylvester Stallone, like weird dad sense of humor that just like never really fully Doesn't, lands. I yeah. don't think. Now we, we learn a little bit more because we, we get back to the diner where we get uh, another one of those great television is static fades in for a yeah. nice exposition <laughs> news report and then fades out again. This is one telling us about the BC 972, which is like the chemical agent that, mm. that got released. Again, you think this is building to something. It's really not. It tells us a little bit that it's, they say it's a component in an adhesive used in rocketry, but we, we learn from the, the guys that were in the hazmat truck that it's actually some kind of like weapons grade stuff that they were, they weren't supposed to be messing around with anymore. Jack again, wonderfully dramatic and also kind of a little bit of the energy of that original short story where he's like, what if this is just the beginning? And he has another great line here. Inanimate objects able to think they could make us their slaves. And I, I just had to write for this Jack. If they're able to think and clearly able to move, I don't think you can call them inanimate objects anymore. I think mm. they've, I think they've graduated, right? That's, <laughs> yeah. that's, but uh, yeah, so that was good times, man. You get some great scenes in that diner. I love the dialogue in that diner because it is just so out there sometimes. The, the amount of times that someone looks out a window and says they're, they're up to, to something. something is in the double digits. I'm fairly <laughs> certain because like, I remember like once I heard it like five times, I was like, I feel like I've heard this line before. Yeah, yeah, like they just, it's like just padding for time. Yeah. Which is funny because usually Stephen King TV affair end up being way too long. Mm -hmm. Most of them are are miniseries. And this one feels like it probably could have been a miniseries at one time, but we just got the highlight reel as opposed to the the four hour version. At, At this point in the movie, we have three trucks that are circling in kind of like the downtown of Lunar. I'm going to use that very loosely downtown, but where the gas station and the the diner and the the garage are. We've got Abby and Logan 
they've got kind of they got a little scene together oh their orphan empathy scene the, their orphan yeah. empathy th- scene yeah. also they're both looking out the window and all i could think of was man they look like brother and sister in this movie like you could, you could have <laughs> yeah. cast them as brother and sister and i'd be like yep yeah perfect yep like even like as kind of like twins i would have believed it yeah. I, I just, they, they have the same facial features and it, it, it weirded me out so mr yeager at this point because we we haven't had a whole lot from them he finds the pickup a pickup in the in the garage mm. And he decides to fix it up because he hasn't seen the title of this movie to to make an escape with. And so we we get that where we kind of know how this one's going to end, right? The the movie has kind of given up the ghost on this one, but he starts work on that. And then back in the in the diner across the street, we have Ray kind of doing his best like truck tamer impression <laughs> here. I'm trying to remember why he goes out that first time. He, he goes out. See, I thought it was he goes out because the truck what Brad was working on kills him. Spoiler alert. Yeah. The truck animates. It like push. It like doesn't manage to like just one shot drive through the wall. It like pushes him up against the door and like has to slowly like but surely eventually push him out and like kill him by kind of crushing him. His fiance, his wife sees and because she runs out and she's like murderer and yeah. he like runs out to get her or whatever. I thought that was then, but maybe there, that there, happens there after. is one thing before that. I'm just trying to remember what the hell Ray was doing outside there. But he he goes out and and yeah, like it, it comes around the corner at him and he's just like whoa whoa. And this was you mentioned this. Oh, it's uh, like it's the, like Chris Pratt yeah. in Jurassic World with the Raptors. He does like that. He does kind of the the, the hands out Raptor yeah. taming thing. Uh, and this is one of the many times in the movie where the trucks audibly growl. Uh, which is again yeah. a thing that happens and it will never be explained and and eventually like the little blue truck i think kind of gets bored and, and finally just decides to try and kill him but ray ray steps back inside and right now the the trucks are just keeping them contained so they won't drive through the buildings that will change but they they right now they're just kind of circling honking and, and being just really a pain in the ass to everyone in the town more than a danger which is so crazy because they're their diff- their doors on this building are mm. within 15 feet of a forest. Yes. Uh, that the trucks cannot get into. Yeah. And they could and all And several like, embankments they that they can't food. drive up. Yeah, yeah, they have food like in in the thing in the in the diner, they could just grab some food and run into the forest and they'd be fine. Like every uh, again, the the forested green hills of Nevada uh, yes. would keep them protected if they decided to leave, but they they don't want to and this goes back to what I was saying about Timothy Busfield's character, where he's so almost Adamant. like yeah. obsessive about keeping them inside. Mm-hmm. Whenever somebody tries to go, I'm like, fuck it. Let him go. That yeah. guy, who cares about that guy? You don't know that yeah, guy. He might die. Who cares? Like, it's yeah. not like you're depend. It's not like he's going to turn into a zombie and come back. And it's a danger for you. He's so obsessive about keeping them inside and like doing this take charge thing. But he feels like the guy in a movie who tries to take charge, but shouldn't because yes, the real main guy who is is too soft-spoken and doesn't, I don't want to be in charge of nothing no more. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, so we get, when they get back in, there's we get the exposition of, of what happened to Ray's wife, killed in a random drive-by in Detroit, and kind of maybe explaining why he's a little bit neurotic in, in certain ways. Or at least I think that was he's kind over, of the he's whole... Overprotective he's overprotective of his son and, 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 and yeah. just about everyone, even... That, <laughs> that too, yes, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of, yeah, a little bit of a... And, and this movie really does do its its exposition dumps as their own scene. Like, you will get parts where the movie just kind of slows down and stops because it wants you to 
to just, you know, learn some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's kind of one of them. Um, so, yeah, so I think this is where we get the scene with the Jaeger or um, yeah, with so Brad. Brad yeah. yeah. So it does. And, and, and if I'm remembering correctly, yeah, it like sort of pushes him up against the door. Yes. And like backs up a bit. And it's just sort of like bouncing off of it, like, uh, like bouncing off of him until eventually it pushes through. She runs outside screaming murderer. Uh, and yes. then they, yeah. So June has an axe and she, she runs outside <laughs> yes. following this truck. Murderer. Murderer. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a great scene. Uh, her, her attacks surprisingly do absolutely nothing. She does manage to put the axe through the windshield of the truck, yep. uh, the blue truck that has just, the, that just came to life then and, and killed him. But then in every scene past that the windshield has no discernible damage. that's funny i don't i don't yeah. think i noticed that yeah. at all so that happens they save her and i think that is when or did that already happen the two trucks almost sandwiching him see this is oh, where we're like confused yeah. because it's like so similar these like back this back to back so, so i thought it was they got her out of there and the two trucks almost hit him yeah um, i i think you might be right there there's yeah. so ray ray has about 3 near-death experiences with the trucks, but the trucks don't want to kill Ray. Yeah, it's uh, not yet explained, but yeah. for whatever reason, they're keeping him alive. But I do know that it's now that Logan and uh, the girl try to make a run for it, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, we do get uh, we do get one other truck-on-truck uh, -truck murder scene because uh, the orange truck comes in and, uh, and uh, kills the silver pickup truck. Uh, it, it just runs through it. And, and it's a really funny scene, too, because you can tell that that truck was already pre-disassembled and it oh, was just yeah. sitting there because the, the, it just drives through it and it just comes apart like Moses parting the seas. <laughs> it's just like like the, the cab goes one way, the, the bed goes the other way. It's, it's a fantastic, fantastic shot. Yeah, the four the four living trucks kind of gather around the smashed pickup. They start honking at each other. This is when they start really talking to each other. June continues freaking out. <laughs> They're talking to each other. They're communicating. That's Ray starting to sound like Jack. Mm. Uh, and then Bob has the best retort to that. And it's it's 100% played straight. Well, what are they saying? <laughs> I forgot about yeah. that. What are they saying? Yeah. I mean, I guess uh, it could be Morse code, but because uh, they did do that in Maximum Overdrive. The trucks oh, do of course, try to yeah. talk to the humans using Morse code. But yeah, why would they need to use Morse code? They clearly have their own honking language. Yeah. <laughs> we, we do get one little scene that kind of sets up the, the, the run for it scene, which is Abby wants to go back to the others. Logan kind of stops her. She hits him, but then she doesn't, you know, she doesn't like make the break for it. Then we get another little exposition scene where Hope, talks to Ray and they both talk about why they came back to Lunar because it was safe and oh the irony of of, of that and uh, that's when Abby makes her break for it and Logan follows right behind her yeah. and uh, so they've the her, her dad had showed her so they, they had like this whiteboard they were kind of communicating mm. back and forth and her dad had drawn their attention to this culvert that is in between kind of in the middle between the um the garage and the, the, diner. Garage and the yeah. diner. And so that their original plan was to, to run to the culvert, hide out there, and then use that as a safe space and then run to the diner. Abby just makes a break for it, apropos of nothing. Uh, Logan follows her. They get in there. And then 
Oh, the trucks with the the beautiful plan here. This I loved this so oh, much. Oh yes, the truck assisted suicide tr- yes. is what I wrote down. This is a this is a good one. They yeah. act so fast. Oh, it's so good. They the trucks knew exactly what they they were just like. Please, I hope someone goes in that culvert. Right, yeah. like the, the two fucking, trucks had talked about this at length, and yeah. they were so excited when it happened. Yeah. So the dump truck like seals up the end that they came yep. that they came from with like rocks, yep. and then another truck parks right where they're supposed to exit and just starts. Laying on the gas, just <laughs> filling up that tube with all the fucking exhaust. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Ray in a in a absolutely great scene freaks out, of course, because he is he's super paranoid about his son. And he goes out there and he starts throwing rocks at the dump truck. Yeah. He's got an inkling that he's the truck whisperer at he this does point at because this he point, hasn't yeah. been killed. Yeah, so the 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 other trucks kind of go to to get Ray, but the big truck honks and, and like orders them to stop the, the big refrigerator truck. And, um, at this point we get a, a bit of a fight in the restaurant because Bob and Pete want to take advantage of Ray being out Mm. to go and, and try and like get in their trucks and regain control of their trucks. They want their trucks back. They don't really have a plan. I was going to say, I don't know what their plan is because yeah, like, I guess like it's like a bull, like they're gonna wrestle it into yeah, submission. Yeah, it's like, oh, I'll just get that steering wheel. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And uh, so, so Bob tries to leave. George goes to stop him. He punches George. In turn, he gets punched by Thad, who in turn has his face smashed into the pinball machine by Pete, who in turn has a beer bottle smashed over his head by Jack. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot how yeah. ridiculous it was. It's a great, yeah. and this this scene is maybe fifteen seconds. It's it's mm. a, a it's it's a nonstop. And actually, so this was at, at this point I looked up because I I love pinball machines. I, I'm I'm the worst pinball player in the whole world, but I I enjoy pinball machines. Mm. And that was a pinball machine that I didn't recognize. So I was like, I wonder if I can find this. And uh, I, I did here. And so this was Road Kings Pinball. So it came out in 1986, and what they did was they, uh, for whatever reason, and I'm not sure why, it might have been a licensing thing, but if you watch the movie, they've removed all of the branding from this this pinball machine. It's a, it's a sweet motorcycle pinball machine, apparently moderately well put together, but uh, if anyone else is, is into pinball, speaking of Las Vegas, you will find the Pinball Hall of Fame there. Uh, when I went uh, over Christmas, my wife and I, we oh, stopped so you were there, in there recently. Yeah, we were we were oh, there wow. recently. Yeah. If you ever get a chance, Pinball Hall of Fame, it's it's just it's actually on Las Vegas Boulevard, right beside the uh, Welcome to Fabulous Las Vegas sign. And if you ever get the chance to go in there, it's the cheapest, funnest thing you can do in Las Vegas. Most of them are like quarter plays and it's a family run little operation. It's the the coolest thing in the world. They've got stuff from before like table games from before pinball was was like electric. Like they have kind of analog games there. That's pretty sweet. As well as like arcade cabinets with all the classics as well. So like the the old Tetris cabinets and stuff. So even if you're not super into pinball, but just going there and just like walking around and looking at it because I am the worst pinball player in the world is absolutely the best thing you can do. The only pinball machine I ever got good at was the Baywatch pinball machine. Oh my uh, God. Yes. I know it, that one. Uh, yeah. It, it's, it's pretty fun. It's not like overly complex or has like a lot of moving things going on with it, but it did have enough. I mean, and I also just being a big Baywatch fan, I got really into it. 
So yeah, that one I got pretty good at. <laughs> After this fight, Bob does get out the door and he gets he gets probably like 12, 14 feet, I want to say, from from the, the entrance. Oh, yeah, they're on him. Yeah, they're <laughs> <Real> on. <fast. laughs> yeah, yeah. But also, Ray, who is out there doing his truss, truck whispering and trying to, like, get the kids out of the culvert, is also there. And he has a pistol that, that George had earlier, and George used it to uh, to break up a disagreement in, in the bar. And it, it's like a twenty two revolver. And now Ray has a thing about guns, and Ray was super mad when... George produced this gun. Ray points the gun at Bob, who is again, basically a stranger who is just trying to leave the situation, doing it stupidly, sure, and yells at him to get back into yeah. the thing. Now, the, the only way I can, I can countenance this is that he's worried that Bob is going to like mess things up and then the trucks will kill like the kids, right? Mm-hmm. This is that's about the only thing. But just for someone who is so vehemently anti-gun and anti, you know, and, and just trying to protect everyone, he's just like, no, no, no. If you don't get back in there, I'm going to shoot you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, the trucks are not there yeah. and he's torturing all of these people. <laughs> <That's> right, <yeah. laughs> God, it's almost more sensical to look at the movie like that. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, and because th- that was really a thing that, from if you watch like a lot of early 2000s or like kind of 2000, 2010 mm-hmm. horror, most of them end with the main character mm-hmm. having amnesia or they're actually the killer and stuff. So it's, it would it, it's, it feels like it's going to just fall into that where it's like this ridiculous plot was actually just mm-hmm. all in their head and they're a serial killer. <laughs> no, he's just weirdly <laughs> obsessed. I think we should have a little bit of a break. Yes. And then when we come back, the daring escape from under the truck. <laughs> yeah. Stay tuned. Hi, cultists. Nathan here to tell you a little bit about my company, Vox Crow Productions. We're a group of audio producers who would love to help you on your next project. Whether that's a commercial, an audiobook, or maybe even a podcast. Our team has backgrounds in radio, voice acting, editing, podcast production, audio for video, and much more. Check us out at voxcrow.ca for more information. And while you're there, have a peek at our other podcasts. Some of them might even let you hear more of me. Now, let's get back to the movie. We're back. Now, we gotta escape these trucks. The kids underneath the culvert. Ray is using all of his truck powers here. (laughs) And so he's basically tells them to crawl out uh, between between the like the wheels of this this orange one so that like they're coming out um as if, as if they were crawling out from from under the middle of the truck. Well, uh, I do love initially when he's just like stick your head out. I want you to stick your head out. I want to test a theory. <laughs> stick your head out where it can be crushed by the truck. Yeah. <laughs> like an overripe melon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ray's Ray's plans sometimes leave something to be desired, I think. But he, he is able to, to get the kids out and kind of as they're going back, the Bob's truck. So this is when Bob kind of makes his move for, for his truck. Now, I, I just, the only note I had for this was Bob was after his truck. Now truck is after his Bob poetry because <laughs> uh, he, he gets chased into a, a building across the street, which I don't think was one of the, was, it, was that the one that the kids had come from originally? 
I think it was, right? I think so, because yeah. it's a garage. It's got like uh, it, it's got a bunch of stuff in it, like paint, paint mm-hmm. thinner. Because he start he starts making Molotovs out of uh, well, first he starts drinking. First a he beer. starts drinking beer. Yeah, he buys beer in a fridge, but then he starts using the empty bottles from that. Well, he uh, he almost finishes the beer and then he pours out like a mouthful to then pour turpentine yeah. in to make a, a, a Molotov cocktail, which I thought was stupid. I was like, look, finish it or leave it in there, but I don't, yeah. know, what we're do- I don't know what we're doing here. Yeah. Jack and Abby have a scene on the back porch. Abby has been asking people for, for cigarettes throughout this movie. Uh, she starts by, by asking him about that. I just thought this whole scene was weird because the back porch is apparently safe. Yeah, yeah, they're getting real comfy with yeah. where they're supposed to be. Like, they don't have to be completely inside. But yeah, just chilling on the back, porch. On the back porch. The back porch could get obliterated by a truck. Any in second. An this thing is like a foot off the ground tops. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I, that was okay. Sure. Hope is tending some wounds in the diner. And then it, this is where they realize that June is missing. So June was after Brad was killed. They, they got June into the diner. They gave her some sedatives. Yeah. Which, Just some of Ray's sedatives. Yeah, Ray around. was apparently a drug addict yeah. after his wife died. Because, yeah, they, they, he, like, pulls them out. He's like, here, give her some of these. Yeah. They see it. They're, they're, there's a, a little bit of a thing about it. They don't really get too into mm-hmm. it. Which, like, again, I feel like some of the stuff that might have got cut down from this yeah. uh, was probably some of that stuff, as, as, as well as the motorcycle love interest. Yeah. And... So our, our crew looks around for June and they spot her climbing up uh, basically an embankment. I, I hesitate to call it a cliff because it's really not. It's more of just like. It looks like when you're at the beach and there's yeah, like a, a, like a, a falling apart like, dune. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's kind of that kind of deal. And uh, she's managed to climb, I think, the only place in the world that has like a drivable road on top of it. Or it yeah, seems the truck like it, gets up there. The truck real has fast. no problem getting up yeah. there. Uh, she also, much like her and and Brad at that beginning scene where the the silver truck almost gets them and they pay mm. no attention to it, she not only can't seemingly hear the truck barreling down on her, nor the yelling from the the diner, which isn't that far away. Yeah. And she just walks off. Now, maybe she's not in her right mind. She at this might point. be zonked. She yeah. might be completely zonked. <laughs> like, I, I don't know how strong those painkillers Ray was on were, but they seem to, to suggest that they were pretty, pretty strong. And uh, we get an off-screen death for June. We just get to see everyone's reaction for it. We, we get that as well, it kind we, of we, makes we, contact. We get, we get that shot where the truck has clearly passed her. Like the truck is it, like she's in the foreground and the truck is behind her, but they have to cut away because they're not actually running her over. But we yeah. get a little bit of that before they cut. And then everyone's ooh reaction. Yeah. So that was yeah. So that that is the end of of June, unfortunately. And uh, we get a little argument between Ray and Hope where Hope says we can't just do nothing. It doesn't work. To which my reply would have been, literally, that is the only thing that has worked so far is just sitting <laughs> still and staying put. But yeah. what do I know? I'm just the audience. I think this is now where we're starting to get the Molotov cocktails. This is, yeah, this is where Ray we go back to Ray is starting to kind of put together why the trucks uh, mm-hmm. want to keep him alive. And it's because he's the gas man. Hey, the gas man. <laughs> which I love. I love that the trucks are smart enough to determine that he pumps gas but not smart enough to determine that everyone else has the exact same appendages and could Could also pump the fucking gas. (laughs) I mean, it's not quite unskilled labor, but it's basically unskilled labor. (laughs) (laughs) 
full service gas has gone almost extinct for a reason, yeah. folks. It's it's so, not hard. So we're, we're oh yeah, because Buddy tries to use the Molotovs and fucking blows his oh, ass so, up first, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. So this is this is the thing. Apparently, with any of the movies we watch, you should never bother with Molotov cocktails. They are completely ineffective, except for burning you to death. <laughs> yeah. And uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so Bob, yeah, Bob makes these cocktails. He goes out on the porch mm. and he just he hucks them. Now the the truck that's nearest is Pete's truck. Mm-hmm. So Pete, who is still in the diner with the main crew, sees Bob hucking Molotovs at his truck and gets furious at Bob. Yeah, again, this again. weird like like, uh, like obsession, like like the mm-hmm. truck is his girlfriend, yeah, uh, kind of thing that they have. Like despite the fact that there's otherworldly forces at control <laughs> yeah. here, they still have this like true blue obsession to their machines. Also, he's really terrible at throwing those Molotovs. Oh, he's it's bad. Like, instead of the fact that the, the trucks are so willing to like try to get within five feet of you, but he waits until it's driving away from him, throws it behind it so it lands in the fucking dirt. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, fucking asshole. <laughs> uh, so so Pete comes out and Pete actually manages to get inside of his truck. Yeah. And again, this must be that thing where they thought like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to wrangle it like a bull. <laughs> I'm going to get it. But uh, uh, come here, the, critter. Yeah, com- yeah. <laughs> C- completely unaware that the trucks are very willing to, mm-hmm. to take to take themselves out to kill him. So he drives yes. the truck, I think, drives into the building and everything. Yeah, blows. yeah. And all, all of because I, I think he, Bob threw maybe two of his six Molotov cocktails. And so yeah. when the truck hits the building, the building goes up immediately. In Which the I, and biggest I, do, fireball. I do love that instead of like running to the side, he runs back inside the building. <laughs> <laughs> in the, yep. the direction the truck is coming, and then they all, yeah, fucking explode. So that is the fireball. end of our our truckers that added so much to 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 this. I actually enjoyed both of them, except for uh, for Bob's incessant gum chewing, which I found even more distracting than Mike's in Chopping Mall. For whatever reason, just the aggressive, like the <laughs> oh, I can't. Yeah, it yep. gets me. It gets me. I think this is what they come up with a plan to t- use the motorcycle. So Thad is going to use the because yes. they because they sneak the motorcycle over at one point. Mm-hmm. Well, the trucks are distracted with the explosion or whatever. Yeah, or when night falls. Uh, I think some, it's when night falls. That, yeah, there, there is like a bit of time where they get a chance because the mm-hmm. the kid Logan goes out and he covers the motorcycle with a blanket and he gets it into the over yeah. to the diner side. So <laughs> I, I just love the fact know. that he 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 covers it with a blanket. They'll never be able to figure that out. Yeah. That's a <laughs> what's, what's great that going guys. Yeah. <laughs> Could have so drawn they, a little picture of a cow or something on yeah. it. Just like, come on, Bessie, this way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's got a cow. Get him. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, they bring the, the, the motorcycle over so they have yeah. this other means of a plan that uh, Thad decided that he's going to use the, the motorcycle to, to, to mm-hmm. distract so that everyone can kind of get away into the forest. That's 15 fucking feet yeah. away. Like, so this actually just occurred to me now, but where we had our deleted scenes of the, the blossoming love between Logan and this Harley Davidson motorcycle, because w- when Logan goes out to get this, it's, it's not on the behest of ever of anyone. He just mm. goes, right? And yeah. he runs. And they're like, oh my God, Logan, what are you doing? And then, then he goes and gets it. And in if you see the movie and you just watch it for what it is, you're just like, oh, like he just had this brainwave and he was being bold. Mm. But with that extra little bit of knowledge, you're just like, oh no, like he was worried that the trucks were yeah. going to find his love, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the love that shouldn't be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, and, the, and the, the trucks destroy the garage immediately after oh, yes, because yeah. of that. Yeah. Uh, which you would think would mean that they're like onto them in some way, but no, they just, yeah, they just blow the garage up mm-hmm. and drive through it and everything. 
and then we get the, there's a payphone out there the payphone just starts yeah. ringing on its own and it's like no one needs to bother with that like who's calling this payphone <laughs> yeah like and again this is this is one of the reasons that i i disliked abby uh, because the kids are very impulsive in this movie, which makes sense. They're teenagers. I, I don't mind that, but every there, there is a legitimate argument going on about whether or not they should answer this phone, which to that I say, obviously do not answer this phone, right? Yeah. The trucks will immediately kill you. Or if anyone's going to do it, Ray, they've already shown that they're not going to kill Ray. Yeah. Ray could go out and answer this phone, but it seemed to me that the phone was a trap. Right, there was no yeah, one on the other. Yeah, because there was end. no one on the other end of the yeah. line, and it's a weird little payphone. And so, yeah, Abby sneaks out the back, and mm-hmm. she she runs to this payphone. She picks up the phone. An automatic light comes on, mm. and there's like a truck that's already like lined up, right? That's yeah. like ready to 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 take this out. And my my absolute hero slash best character in this film, Jack, comes out with his old fat man energy yeah. and somehow manages to get into the payphone, get her out, kind of push her to the side yeah, and get absolutely destroyed. Yeah. Uh, but luckily he is replaced by a, a very convincing dummy before, uh, yes. before he gets fired. Uh, and then she also is replaced by a dummy yes. because Thad comes out to get her. Yeah. And it, instead of just having him, must've been some insurance problem. Instead of just having him, running with his daughter, like, in his arms, like, in a fireman's carry or, like, across, like laying across his arms. They don't do that. They give him a fucking, mo- like, dummy or, like, it's, like, it's rubbery, so it's not just a mannequin, but it's some sort of weird, weird, like, CPR dummy that he has under his arm because he's running with her under his arm like she's a log. Yeah. And it's just, like, <laughs> flopping as he's running, and it's, like, two seconds, blink, and you'll <laughs> yeah. miss it scene, but... Holy fuck, is it hilarious? Really takes all the weight out of Jack's sacrifice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, at this point, like, the the shoe is dropped for Ray. You know, the, the trucks all line up. They're they're honking at him. They This is where he's, he's sure of it. He says, they're talking to me. They want fuel. And uh, hope, strangely, you're going to need help. And I'm like, really? To, to pump gas, he's going to need help i feel like ray's probably fine here he runs a gas station yeah but yeah so he he goes up the trucks all line up and uh we we do get we do get a little bit of payback here where ray is putting gas in a diesel <laughs> that's his uh he, 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 yeah he, yeah. He, he, he goes to yeah he goes to put one or the other in, in it and then the truck honks the horn because it catches him before he can do it Oh, does he not even get to do it? I thought no, he. because oh, that's what okay. happens right there. Because he starts yeah. to go to do it, and then it starts honking, and he puts it out. And she was like, "What was that?" And he was like, "Well, he was like, can it run on this?" And he was like, "Only for like a couple minutes before it like, oh, turns yeah. the engine to crap." But they know that apparently. Okay. So, yeah. So he doesn't actually get the chance to do it. Oh, poor, poor Ray. I, and I enjoyed the trucks just lining up and fill, filling up one by one. There's a rifle in one of the trucks. I think it's in Pete. No, no, Pete's truck died. It must have been Bob's truck. And uh, angry honks when Ray goes for it. So he, he doesn't do it. So I think at this point to round back is when we get Thad and, Thad and Abby. Abby. They take off on the motorcycle. Yeah, yeah. He's originally going to go at first. And she's like, you're leaving me again. And he's like, all right. Fine. Let's, yeah, yeah, let's do it. So he, Fine. He I got to be your dad, I guess. They're never to be seen again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're, just, they're just fucking yeah, they, they're, they're just gone. gone. They've had enough of this. Yeah. Uh, they all, all done filling up the trucks. They they just kind of then walk off because Logan's already taken off into the bushes here. 
and he's got like a flashlight. Mm-hmm. And so the, the trucks are satisfied. So like Hope and, and Ray just kind of walk into the bushes. Like they don't even really hurry yeah. about it. They just kind of, <laughs> they got to go and Logan's got his little flashlight to, to shine on him. This is where George though makes his last stand, which no one, like he didn't talk to anyone about this. He just decided to, yeah. to, 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 to do this. After all that time in Korea yeah. and being a cop, I've decided I've just had enough. Had enough, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we do get a little throwaway line earlier where Ray is t- telling Hope that that George's liver is shot and that he came out here to die, basically, right? Yeah. Like, but he, um, so you you get the idea that you know he's he's lived his life. So he's got his little twenty two revolver again that he got back from Ray, and he li- he manages to take out a truck with this 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 little plinker by shooting out one of its headlights that causes it to go into a ditch and become like inactive. Yeah. So maybe that's the, the, the secret. I don't know, but he, he manages to do this. Unfortunately, the big truck's not having any of it and it just drives right through the diner, uh, and, and, uh, kills George. Then though it gets kind of stuck and, and Ray is up on the little embankment, which is teeny tiny, which they could have gone to at any time. But uh, he's up there. He manages. He got a hold of the rifle. He get, from gets the a hold truck, of the yeah. rifle from the truck that George killed, question mm-hmm. mark. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and so then he shoots, I think, the propane tank at the back of the, mm. the building. And then it blows up uh, again. I guess this one makes a little bit more sense that it explodes so violently where it is a, you know, propane tank and, and, and the, the diner would be full of the stuff. So yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty good. Orange truck goes for revenge, but luckily cannot climb embankments. Yeah. (laughs) So it is immediately thwarted. Oh, I've only thought of this at the beginning. The beginning of the movie left a while ago. Like they could have just had a picnic up there and everyone would have been fine. They take off on, on foot, hope Logan and uh, Ray and then we get a, a little interesting scene that's just kind of an aside because it doesn't come. It feels like it should have been back when we got like the hazmat suit and the RC yeah. car. It felt like it was part it should of have that, been that because it's the same dumb thing. It's it, well, it's like worse than those two. Yeah, because it's like it's so it's, it's a line the, worker. Yeah, yeah. It's the, the, the line worker. And he's up in the basket and then he's like, oh, you got to stop shaking it around. Oh, yeah. no. And he like falls off the edge. Honestly, they did this in the newest Jackass movie with Johnny Knoxville. And that looked more realistic. Did, yes. where, like, <laughs> him falling off and hanging from the basket. Yeah. So, so it's pretty ridiculous where it's yeah. like slightly nudging up against yeah. it until he's forced to like hug. He's forced to hug the transformer essentially and blows him up. But yeah, it's a weird little just like yeah. final. Yeah. I think we, we just needed an extra truck kill, maybe breaching a quota. Yeah. Uh, and then the truck immediately shuts off and it's not a truck. We'll see again. So it just, mm you know, showing us that. So after that, uh, you know, they're, they're resting on a, on a hill on one of the paths that, that hope is leading them on. They just kind of talk on the hill about the nebulous future of, oh, of a humanity. world covered in rust. Yeah. I think is what they said. I wrote that down. Yes. <laughs> so then we get a little bit of a time jump to the next morning and they're walking and suddenly we see the helicopter swoop in to save the day. We also get the zombie truck. We also the, get the, the zombie truck, yeah. truck carcass like shows up. Yeah, I love that they that they had that thing just reemerge like a like a killer coming back, right? Yeah. For like like a Jason. They don't Voorhees do anything else thing. to it again, do they? They just have to get into the helicopter. They just have to get into the helicopter. The helicopter yeah, yeah, and it ramps off into like a little like oh right, pond. yes, yes, yeah. it does ramp. Yeah, so they they managed to escape it because it can only travel at like five miles an hour now. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, so they get into the helicopter. Abby is in the helicopter. She doesn't really acknowledge them. She looks kind of half dead, which is kind of our first clue. Oh, yeah. I did forget that she is in there. Yeah. 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 And and I want to like so when I was I, I was doing my notes uh, this time on my first watch through of this movie and I just wrote down uh, helicopter lands. Please let this be an evil helicopter. And then about four notes later. Oh, my fuck. Yes. Because Ray goes into the cockpit of the helicopter to say thank you to Thad, or mm. he assumes. And, uh-oh, it's flying itself. Dun-dun-dun. Yeah. But, but then it, it talks, it talks to, them, to him. And it tells them not to worry. Yeah. Just hang on, folks. I repeat, just hang on. And I think it, I, I don't know this for a fact, but it's, I, I thought maybe it was using the audio clip from the sheriff when it was like, just like oh, sit tight kind been, of thing. Yeah. And I was like, oh, maybe like, maybe that all of the machines have come together now and they can, they can send each other sweet audio clips yeah. from the well, television. My, my, my first thought was that I was like, oh, maybe it is actually on their side. The helicopter is the natural enemy of the truck. <laughs> the truck. <yeah. laughs> You know what? For all we know, that could be, in fact, yeah, the case. It's either that. The only other thing, because, like, again, yeah, it's such a weird bummer kind of ending where mm -hmm. we don't know what's happened to Thad. Why is Abby bothering to stay in the helicopter if, if it, like, stopped? Like, she could have just jumped out. She could have, yeah. And I was like, is it maybe, like, is that supposed to be Thad over the radio and that it's actually a government program of remote-controlled, like, vehicles oh. like i was like is this kind of what they're setting up so but i i don't really think that yeah. was it but i was like what what are we supposed to make of this like did mm -hmm. they i guess they really thought they were gonna get a chance at maybe making a sequel i know a lot of horror movies tend to do that where it's yeah. like ah oh, fuck it everything the, the tales from the crypt ending where it's like here's your the sting is that like no one gets out like mm -hmm. kind of thing so but yeah what a strange place to to end to end it on and yeah that the, the helicopter yeah. talks to them I feel like all of my opinions on this movie are somewhat based on what weird ass fan theory you want to come up with for the plot. <laughs> Pretty this. much because I mean, like I feel like the short story, it was always like, it could be this or it could be that or yeah. it could be this thing. And they never fully explain it. And then you have maximum overdrive, which over explains it because once again, mm. Stephen King was raging on cocaine. <laughs> so like the, like the ending of maximum overdrive has that giant block of text where the 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 alien right. asteroid that we were in the tail of gets taken out by a Russian satellite that had nukes on it, like it true Stephen King fashion. Let's rush the fucking shit out of this. End. Let's do five chapters in one paragraph and rush this <laughs> ending. And so it was kind of that. So it's again kind of falls into this like yeah. ambiguous territory of, of yeah, you can just have fan yeah. theories for it, but then and I remember when I was checking IMDb, I like the IMDb listing of the the very short synopsis that it gives you says aliens parked in geosynchronous orbit around Earth are using trucks as a weapon to destroy humanity. And I and, and the the more I watched this movie, I was like, no, 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 like that's that's absolute nonsense. Yeah, no, no. I, I, that's, these these that's trucks the, are alive. That's what Maximum Overdrive does, and yeah. I feel like whoever did that was just, just like just like a serial IMDb updater, and they just needed to put something in there, like they hadn't yeah. actually seen it. But I feel like that's what that is. Although, if you really want a, a plot description, the Wikipedia plot description is excessively detailed, as they like <laughs> to say. I always find that funny when like a random like TV movie or some random thing that I don't think is going to have much. Like, there's like half the cast doesn't have articles or anything like that, but someone went in there and 
fucking just filled out that plot <laughs> section, I tell you. Uh, but yeah, uh, final thoughts. Final thoughts. So this movie is entirely nonsense. Don't look for reason here. Kind of just enjoy the spectacle that this movie is. I had fun with this, honestly. I thought it was entertaining. I, I watched it twice in the span of probably like a, probably like a, a week. And I, I, I enjoyed it both times. Uh, some of the choices are baffling, but it also kind of is part of the charm, I think, of it. Definitely. Uh, yeah. It reminded me of a movie that came out recently, Cocaine Bear. Did you see Cocaine Bear? I haven't Bear? seen it yet. Okay. Cocaine Bear it. is eminently forgettable. Yeah. It, it's, it's, but Cocaine Bear is a movie that doesn't know what it wants to be, right? It's not scary enough to be a horror movie. It's not funny enough to be a comedy. It's mm. not quite gory enough to be a slasher, right? It's kind of like just a mishmash of ideas. Which is mostly my problem with a lot of kind of mm -hmm. smaller productions that are both referential to older movies and trying to be their own thing. I find a lot of indie movies end up that way. Yeah. Um, where they're like, oh, we're kind of doing our version of a 1980s kids movie. But yeah, it, it ends up like both being like a airplane level parody <laughs> yes where there's characters that like do not fit in the universe but then also takes itself way too seriously and then also does this and so yeah it's like yeah. it never knows what it wants to be so you never get settled with it yeah and, and i got that same kind of energy for trucks honestly i think trucks might have been less less egregious in this than than cocaine bear was but for me like the score for trucks was very serious very somber the action on screen went from like kind of almost yeah like slapstick over the top ridiculous violence in, in certain yeah, something scenes. from a trauma movie yeah to, to, to uh, trying um, to play it very straight and yeah. very thing and because of that it's it is a weird one certainly and but it didn't ru nothing ruined it for me right i got to the end of that no. movie and i was like well this didn't answer any of my questions i don't feel more informed or smarter for having watched this but it was kind of fun. Yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> this the silliness of like the things that we pointed out, especially where with the the dummy, the RC car, certain things like, and and the choices, the ridiculousness. They're all pretty much worth the price of admission, mm -hmm. even more so than Jaws three, where I said Jaws three is kind of a Sunday afternoon movie where you could go do your laundry and come back, you might not miss anything. This one, it, I think, is still a Sunday afternoon throw on. You know, you make mm -hmm. sure you're able to do something afterwards. <laughs> But, you know, you're going to want to keep paying attention because it, it does move along quickly enough. It, it has an it has a beat frequently enough that uh, you're never like waiting long periods of time for it to do something stupid and crazy. I think the big problem it has is living in the shadow of maximum overdrive, which is so ridiculous and has even more stuff like beats per like per capita of terms of like how people die and how many people there are like there's like. 17 extra cast members in that movie to just get mowed down by trucks. <laughs> so this, I think, does work well as a companion and an oddity if you're really into that sort of thing of just like digging up something that a lot of people really haven't seen. And that, and, that, and I find that especially happens in the TV movie sphere where a lot of the times things like these don't get released on DVD or were never released on like a VHS and stuff. And this was TriStar on USA Network, so it has had a bit more of a life. You can rent it on YouTube. We watched it on Tubi. So you can watch it for free. You're going to get a lot of fucking gain ads. <laughs> but God, I hated that ad. 
by the end of it, it showed it would show it sometimes two times in a row. Oh, no. Uh, it, and I don't know if you got the same one. It was about the guy on the bus smelling his clothes. And then it was like, this takes him to his happy place, which is the massage chair at the mall. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, seen, what yeah, beaten down one. man do you have to be that your only happy place is the massage chair at the mall? It reminds me of the A&W commercial that was on recently where everyone's trying to ask this guy to come come hang out with them Friday night. And he's like, no, I got to go home and eat A&W. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, but yeah. No. <laughs> so the massage chair gain ad hits a little too close to home for me. It, it takes me back to the most, I just want to say mediocre part of my life. Like not the absolute like worst, but like just a doldrums part of my life where I, I was working at the bay selling shoes Oof. in a mall and there was a like a GNC, like a, one of those nutrition stores. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I remember, and the Bay, this is back in the day, but they made you wear the most ridiculous stuff. Like, it, I had dress pants, dress shoes, like a big vest, a big Bay vest, and, like, I had to wear, like, a white dress shirt. So, it was, I was never comfortable at work. And I was working there, and I was kind of aimless. Like, I was, I was attending university, but I had no, like, I was just taking courses because, mm. like, you gotta get a university degree and good yeah. things will happen. <laughs> and I remember just going to the GNC on my break sometimes sitting in the massage chair and doing like a like a five minute (laughs) shiatsu from this terrible massage chair and thinking about how it had come to this and that's where that gain ad takes me every time it takes you to your rock bottom yeah absolutely (laughs) so I feel for this dude like this dude like that's his life and I can't help but be like Man, I like you need find something. You need something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a hobby waiting for There's you. There's something waiting. Um so yeah, if, as long as you're not going to have an existential crisis watching Gain ads <laughs> on Tubi, you can watch it there for free. Um and yeah, I think really in that sense as an oddity as something that was probably for a number of years lost to time in most people's memory like just sitting in a vault like, I, I doubt this had much airtime on TV. It'd be hard to show without editing. I, I, USA must not have had much uh, problem showing the the v- level of violence that's mm-hmm. in it because it, it is quite a bit, even for yeah. something. Like, you think of something like na- that's on now. I mean, I haven't watched CSI in years, but, you know, CSI kind of shows aftermath. They don't really show it happening. And this, like, you get a lot of kind of up-close stuff of it happening, especially with the RC car. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I probably didn't get replayed a lot. And probably had like a, some limited VHS runs. Uh, so yeah, as an oddity, I think it's worth it. There's enough happening in it to, to keep it going. And, and yeah, and, and also if you're a fan of Maximum Overdrive, it's a nice companion piece to that. Or if you're just like a Stephen King completionist, it's yeah. certainly, it's the shortest TV offering. <laughs> well, that about wraps up trucks, I think. Uh, this is This was a fun one. And, this was uh, a fun one. We're going to have a bit of a special guest for our next episode. Do you want to tell us all about? Uh, yeah, we might as well say it now because, yeah. uh, well, the next thing that's going to happen, I don't know if it's going to be the the next episode or what. So our, our schedule as it's going to start forming now. So we released these first three episodes to give you the taste. We're going to do two movies a month. So we'll have one week where it's uh, us talking about a movie potentially with a guest. And then the week in between, we have some segments lined up for some different things. I think uh, at least one of them is going to be hidden gems where we kind of bring up some movies that we really like find don't really fit the the mold of the podcast, but we want to kind of give some airtime to. 
Uh, we're going to have some segments where we're talking about what we're kind of watching on TV and and some other strange things that I've found on on television and and that we'll uh, bring up as well as just you know updates on our lives or just uh, you know anecdotal things that yeah. we can talk about or and and if we cultivate enough of you fucking maniacs, we'll start uh, interacting with you and, and doing <laughs> things like that. So it's sort of main episode, mini episode in between is kind of what the release schedule will look like now where we've had to record a couple of these close together just because we're both trying to get through work terms. I'm not sure if you'll see another, our next episode that we're talking about first, uh, or if we'll see a mini one in between, but uh, either way, we'll get to there. So our next one, we let our guest pick it. So a guest is Gabrielle Hill Desjardins. We were in school together, uh, and she's another purveyor and, and enthusiast of such films, uh, mm-hmm. and usually is the one who's like sending us links to like YouTube, like YouTube playlists of like movies that shouldn't be on YouTube, just like <laughs> yeah. all there. And I was like, oh shit, yeah, like three hundred movies like that I need to watch now. And she picked 1971's Daughters of Darkness. Yes, yes, okay. I kept, I kept getting the name confused, but yeah, 1971's Daughters of Darkness. It's an erotic horror film. Uh, and we're going to get all into that with her and <laughs> see why she picked it. Yeah. <laughs> and some of the choices that were made in that movie. It's quite a thing, honestly. It is, it's, yeah. Uh, I w- watched it last night. I actually watched it as a, a double feature back-to-back with Trucks uh, because that's uh, that's how I like to spend my evenings. So. Yeah, I was up until, because I, I, like, I was like beat from doing other stuff, so I fe- took a nap and I woke up around like 11 and then like at 12 or something, 12.30, I was like, yeah, I guess I'll watch it. So I was <laughs> up until two in the morning watching that movie. <laughs> so, but we'll wait to save all that uh, to yeah. talk to Gabby. Yeah, we'll I think I think that. you're gonna be in for a treat for that one. It's uh, it's a very different film, but uh, I found it very compelling. Certainly, I, I don't I don't even know how to describe it very well. But hopefully, uh, hopefully I think Gabby we'll be able will, to get into yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, awesome. All right, we'll see you. See, well, not see you, but maybe you'll hear us again later. <laughs> Look, trucks don't drive themselves, okay? Maybe it just wanted some company. Thanks for listening. If you haven't already, join the cult today by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. Help us grow the cult by sharing it with your friends, family, and that special sentient murderous automobile in your life. Finally, you can connect with us on Facebook at The Video Cult, or on Instagram and TikTok at video underscore cult 666.